God's Word. If you have your Bible, turn with me to uh, Colossians chapter 3. We're going to look at verses 1 through 9. And uh, I love studying the, the books that Paul wrote. And you know, we just took 70 on the footsteps of the Apostle Paul. And we didn't go to Colossae. Well, we went to a lot of other cities that Paul uh, was in, uh, Philippi, Thessalonica, Rome, uh, of course, Ephesus, and, and Ephesus not too far from Colossae. But from our understanding of the scripture and the book of Acts, Paul never went to Colossae. But perhaps uh, some of the folks from uh, Ephesus went down and shared uh, there and helped plant a church. Casey, that's a good thing for them to be doing, uh, to get out there and, and plant those churches where the Apostle Paul might not have been able to go. But tonight we want to look at uh, the third chapter, verses 1 through 9. I think Nugent has the responsibility next Sunday night to continue the rest of that chapter 3. But it's interesting to look at the Apostle Paul's writings because in, in most of the instances in, in the cases of these shorter books, particularly Ephesians, Colossians, Philippians, uh, and so forth, Paul has a pattern. He'll deal with some doctrinal issues in the first part of the book, and particularly in the shorter books, shorter letters that he writes, uh, he'll turn the corner uh, about halfway through and begin, begin to deal with the practical aspects of what he has talked about doctrinally. And this is so evident here in, in the book of uh, Colossians. If you have your Bibles, let's look at these verses and I'll expound a little bit and then uh, share a few work, words with you. But it, it's such a rich, rich study. And Dr. Reggie has done such a wonderful job as he shared with us uh, these truths of these doctrines that are so important. He, it's talking about the preeminence of Christ and, and what he means uh, in the life of the Apostle Paul, what he means to the people that Paul has dealt with as he talked about those in those first, thing, first few chapters. He talks about what we believe is important. It's so vitally important to know what we believe, what we stand for. And yet it's also very important that we know exactly how we behave, not just what we believe, but how do we put it into practice in a very practical way. And I think Paul outlines this so beautifully in all of his letters, but especially here. If you then were raised with Christ, seek those things that are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Paul, is in some translation, says here, in view of the fact that Christ were raised from the dead and we, because of our faith in him, we put our trust in him as our personal Lord and Savior, then we too have been raised with him. And again, I think the picture here is of, of the baptism. He'll talk about that in just a moment. Uh, when we were baptized, we had the privilege of seeing two young uh, girls baptized this morning. You know what Dr. Reggie says as he puts them down in the water, buried with Christ in baptism, raised to walk in newness of life. And, and as you see the title there in the uh, order of service, it's to put off. And it's that picture of putting off the sin that is in our lives and putting on. And uh, next week, 
Nuge will be talking more about the putting on some things in your life. Tonight we're going to talk about getting rid of the sins in your life. And I told Dr. Reggie we're going to have a good invitation tonight. And some of you are going to have to come down here to the front. Because I know what kind of sins you have in your life. And so you're going to confess those tonight. Especially Dwight. He told me to emphasize how important it would be for Dwight to come down tonight. Maybe Ivan. Uh, <coughs> hate to call out names already at the start of the service. But <laughs> None of the staff, just some of you uh, others. But uh, nonetheless, we'll go, go on. Let me get back. I diverse uh, here. It is important how we believe, what we believe and what we do. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Very important. Again, what Paul is saying here that we have put to death those sins in our lives, those things that have caused us to be, our, our fellowship to be broken with Christ and with God. We put those things aside. We've been died. We put our life uh, in Christ's hands. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Isn't it wonderful that Paul doesn't back down on, on preaching about the second coming of Christ? Must have been very interesting in those days to, to hear him teach and to hear men like uh, the other apostles, uh, the other disciples, Peter and John and some of them, and their, their emphasis on, on the second coming of Christ. They had the privilege of seeing Jesus, <clears throat> walking with him, talking with him, hearing him preach and teach, seeing him perform miracles, and yet <clears throat> uh, his death was a very trying time for them, but what glorious, what a glorious experience it was for him to be raised again, for them to have those days that they were with him on this earth, and then to know that he promised them that he was going to come back. And they could tell those believers that they were associated with, those people, look, this is not the end of it. Someday Jesus will come again. I hope you're anticipating that. Uh, a lot of days I get up and think, surely this is the day <laughs> the Lord, Lord's got to come back today. Uh, how wonderful that we have that anticipation that someday he will return. The trumpet will sound and the heavens will part and he will descend. And those of us who are still here will be brought into his presence. Those who are dead will be raised again. And how wonderful that promise is for all of us to hold on to. Because of these things... Uh, well, excuse me, verse 5 is where I stop. And this is the turning point. This is where he starts talking about practical Christianity 101. These are things that you need to get rid of. Therefore, he says, put to death your members who are on the earth, sexual immorality, uncleanliness, passion, evil desire, covetousness or greed, which is idolatry. Two instances here in the book of Colossians in this, these short nine verses, Paul talks about five different things in, in verse 5 and then five different things in verse 8 that don't need to be in our lives. We need to put these kinds of things out. Now, I don't have to tell you much about this world that we live in. could go back and talk about how wicked and how evil the world was in which Paul lived. Uh, these cities that we visited, <clears throat> uh, and if you did any kind of research, those of you who went, you know what a, 
uh, terrible place most of these places were. Uh, all kinds of prostitution, all kinds of immorality, all kinds of evil, different things that went on in these communities. And Paul would preach the gospel there and many lives were changed and things uh, took a different turn in, in many of these communities as Paul was able to preach uh, the unsearchable riches of Christ and what he had done in his life, how he had changed his life. But how today... You don't have to turn the television on very long. You don't have to read many newspapers. You don't have to get on the computer and stay on it very long to realize how wicked the world is and how much sexual immorality there is. It's rampant everywhere. Uh, the movies, the television programs, uh, we don't watch a lot of television at our house, but every time we do, I get kind of disgusted at some of the things that you see on television. It's not a good ball game on. You watch something, and the next thing you know, it, it's they just everything is just so loose and uh, immoral in in so many ways. And they they highlight these things, and what a tragedy it is. And Paul says, get rid of sexual immorality, and and it can tear down a society. It can tear down a home. We know that, we've sensed that, and we've seen that in, in many instances. And it does little good if we can declare and, and hold on to our faith and, and belief in, in God and what he can do in a life and change us and, and make us better when so much of society around us is not what it ought to be. And we as Christians have a responsibility. And I think that he's going to talk about that as we go on. But get these kinds of things out of your life. Uh, he talks about the, the sexual immorality. And I was looking again at one of the commentaries, and it talked about the word sexual immorality comes from the word Greek word pornonia, not cornonia. We talk about the fellowship, and that's a good word, but pornonia, the pornography the things that come from that and, and the premarital uh, sex and the uh, extramarital sexual relations and prostitutions and homosexuality. And Dr. Reggie kind of hit hard this morning on how we as Baptists need to hold on to that which God's word preaches against. And I'm so thankful for what he had to say this morning that we are a, a denomination that right now holds on to the truths of God's word. And we need to continue that and, and we need to promote that and not be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ that will save lives and change lives. But here these people were having all these things in their life. He's talking to Christians now. He's not talking to the pagans. They lived in a pagan society. But Paul is having to address these things in these churches that were going on, and he's trying to help them understand there is something different about being a follower of Jesus Christ. And it makes a difference in the way we live, the way we behave, the way we interact with people in our community. We need to, again, listen to those words that Paul said. Get these things, put them off, put them to death. <laughs> That's pretty strong talk. That's not just, well, flippantly pass over them and just sort of nod your head, well, that's going on. No, he says put those things to death. It's serious enough that you as a Christian need to 
eliminate those things in your life. And, and he, he talks very specifically about these things, passion, evil desire, and greed, uh, the desire to have more and more. Uh, we live in a society, and you, you see that uh, evident. Uh, it was very disturbing to me to see these uh, renowned people and uh, actors and actresses paying off people to get their child in a school or paying off someone to take a test for a child to be able to be admitted into a certain university. Uh, greed, to get more, to have more cars, more houses, more things. Those are the things that Paul said we need to avoid. We need to put that kind of lifestyle out of our uh, lives. And then he goes on to say, uh, because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. There's going to be a judgment day, and someday that will happen, and we'll be faced with uh, our Savior and our God who will judge us for the way we have lived. What should be our focus in life? Paul said we ought to get rid of these things, put them out of your life. Don't allow these things to become so much a part of your life that people can't tell the difference if you're a child of God or you're not a child of God. These are things that are so uh, bad. They drag us down. And, and Paul said, these kinds of things we don't need in our lives as Christians. Put them aside and take a stand against those kinds of things. And <clears throat> it does little good. I read this statement. If we can declare and defend our Christianity, if we cannot demonstrate our Christianity. That's a very powerful thing to realize. We, we need to not only be able to say we are Christians. We need to prove that we're Christians by the way we live, and that ought to be our focus in, in life. And listen, as he goes on to say, in you yourselves, when, uh, verse 7, in which you yourself once walked when you lived in these kinds of things. Paul had heard about the folks down at Colossae, and he understood some of the things that had been going on. They were there in, in Ephesus. Those of you who went with us to Ephesus uh, this time, you saw uh, those different temples that were there, those things that were uh, disturbing because the people had all kinds of ways they worshiped, that great uh, temple there to Diana, and uh, how difficult uh, it must have been for Paul to, to preach against those things because it was so popular and go to uh, Corinth and, and see all of the, the wealth that was there and the things that they had to deal with as individuals and, and Paul had to preach against those things and how vital it was for those Christians of that day to understand how important it was for them to live their lives in such a way that people would see Jesus in their life. And it would make a difference in the world. So we need to get rid of some things, Paul said, if, we, if we're going to live a way that people can come to Christ. Those were the ways that you lived, he said. Some of you were like that. You lived and walked in those ways. But now you're to put off these things. Now, I think this is where he gets to meddling a lot. Uh, anger. Wrath. Malice blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth, and then don't lie. Now, I'll have to confess, sometimes I do get a little angry. Sadell's sitting here, and she could probably tell you 
the last week or two, I get kind of perturbed about some things. Uh, you didn't know that about me, did you? Uh, none of us are perfect, and I certainly am far being, uh, I mean, far, far away from being perf uh, filled with perfection. But I do get angry sometimes, and it's not righteous indignation that he's talking about here. And I know somebody, uh, as I was reading the, one of the commentaries, uh, the writer made the observation that when you mention anger and somebody said, oh, well, Jesus got upset. He turned the tables over in the temple and uh, said all manner of evil against those folks that were running an entertainment center, basically, uh, selling the, the animals and what have you for sacrifices and making a killing off of it. And uh, he got upset about it. And, and that's what people will say, oh, well, it's all right to get angry because Jesus got angry. But I don't think Paul's talking about that. And Paul's saying there's times that people who are followers of Christ allow their feelings, the emotionalism of, of certain uh, things in their life to overtake them and they become angry in a fit of rage. And, and that is something that is is, is difficult for us to, to justify in our lives. And, and he says, don't let that be a part of your life. Learn to control your temper. I grew up in a home with a wonderful Christian mother. And I, I to this day, rejoice in, in the many years that she had on this earth. She had eight children. <laughs> that was a job unto itself. I had a husband that didn't really care for the uh, spiritual things. My dad was not a Christian, didn't go to church, uh, but mother never let that phase. I never heard her say a bad word about my daddy. I never heard her say get angry at some of the things he did. And one of the things he did like blew the house up because you folks that remember old uh, pressure cookers, she was gone one time and he decided he wanted some turnip greens. And he cooked them, and he cooked them, and the house nearly blew off, the roof blew off the house. I was there, and mother came in. She wasn't mad. We just got busy cleaning turnip greens off the ceiling. And uh, that, that was the way she, she was. She, she exhibited a kindness about her, and I hope John will talk about that next week, some of the things that we have to put into our life, but we need to get these kinds of things out of our life for us to be the kind of Christians that God expects us to be. Put anger and wrath out, out that rage that comes over us when, when things don't go our way or somebody upsets us in the office or somebody at school says something to us and we, we lash out at them. That's not pleasing to God. And Paul said these kinds of things you need to get out of your life. Don't allow these things to rule in your hearts and in your life. But they will be a detriment to you. Malice, that's ill will toward another person. You don't like what somebody has done or what somebody has said, and, and so you lash out about them. Maybe you say something to, to somebody else about them, and, and you just kind of destroy their reputation as a result. Slander is one of the things that Paul mentions that is so bad. We, we talk about people, and, and we say, now, fellas, I know sometimes they used to talk about women going to the beauty shop, and the, one of the things they did was gossip. Well, men gossip too. Uh, 
Who said amen back there? <laughs> I want you down on <laughs> when we give the invitation. You come down in front. <laughs> no, that that's so true. I mean, it's it's part of our lives. Sometimes, you know, uh, word gets out that somebody's not doing right, or uh, oh, we we know something about somebody, and we'll we'll share that when we ought not to, and we slander their reputation or slander their family in that way. And then the last thing he says uh, here, don't lie. Don't tell an untruth. Uh, one of the things that was so important growing up that I heard my mother say so many times was it's not necessary for you to lie. Just tell me the truth. I always did. It was my brothers that didn't. So <laughs> I, I never did what was wrong. <laughs> yeah, they'll tell you different. But um, anyway, don't lie. That's not something that is important enough to, to be a part of our lives. Isn't it wonderful that Paul could say these kinds of things to people? Get rid of them. Put them out of your life. Uh, I was reminded again this week as I did some yard work how dirty and filthy hot you can get working in Louisiana when the temperature's up around 90 degrees and uh, one afternoon I got out and did some work but how wonderful to take those old filthy clothes off and get cleaned up and put on clean clothes uh, you do so much better. And I think this is the illustration that Paul is making here. We need to put aside those things that would drag us down and cause the name of Christ and the cause of Christ to be looked at with disdain. We have something that we need to get out of our lives. And none of us, as Dr. Reggie pointed out to us this morning and how sad it was to see that Paul and, and Barnabas couldn't get along enough to to go off together uh, again on a mission trip. Uh, they had that falling out. And th those things happen in our lives. But we need to try to put those things out of our hearts and out of our lives so that we can live in such a way that Christ will be magnified and lifted up. I think that was Paul's greatest purpose in life was to do those things that God would have him to do. And you see so much of this in his writings as he talks about this. You look back at chapter 5 of the book of uh, Ephesians and you'll see how much uh, similarity there is. I was reading again this week a book uh, by Dr. Herschel Hobbs called New Men in Christ, a little commentary on the book of Ephesians. And, and there's such a parallel there between Ephesians and, and Colossians and what Paul was saying to the Ephesians applied so much to the people in Colossae, even though he had not met them, he'd heard so many things about them. And they needed to have these things out of their life so they could fill them. And as I said, next week, we'll look at the remaining part of this chapter where Paul says, if you get rid of these things, you need to put some things in their place and it will make such a wonderful difference in your life when, when it comes uh, to letting him, uh, letting Jesus rule your hearts and your lives and, and getting rid of the things that drag you down and cause you to stumble and, and be a, a stumbling block to someone who is trying to follow uh, Jesus. And, and in your community and in your family and in your church, 
these things need to be put aside. They need to be taken out of your life and let Christ, those things that are wholesome, those things that are good, rule your life. Well, I'm going to stop right there uh, because we have something else we want to do. We're going to sing a, a word of invitation. Seriously, think of what in your life could be taken out of, what could be put off in your life, taken off, and as Paul said, put it to death. Don't let those things rule your life. Rather, let the love of God flow through you so that others will see Jesus in you. And I hope that uh, this little passage of Scripture will become a part of your life and that you will realize how important it is to say what we believe, but it's also important not just to say it, but to live it on a daily basis. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you again for your word that penetrates our hearts, causes us to reflect on your goodness and your grace. But Lord, I do pray that each one of us would examine our hearts and our lives even tonight as we think about what you have done for us, how you have forgiven us of all sin. But Lord, we pray that we might be faithful in living our lives in honor of what you have done for us. Thank you, Lord, for loving us as you do and help us, Lord, to live our lives tomorrow and the days to come in a way that would magnify the name of Jesus. For we ask it in his name.